0: story five of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story five the green stone god and the stockbroker as a rule the average detective gets twice the credit he deserves i am not talking of the novelist's miracle monger but of the flesh-and-blood reality who is liable to err and who frequently proves such liability You can take it as certain that a detective who sets down a clean run and no hitch, as entirely due to his astucity, is young in years and still younger in experience. Older men, who have been bamboozled a hundred times by the craft of criminality, recognize the influence of chance to make or mar there you have it nine times out of ten chance does more in clinching a case than all the dexterity and mother wit of the man in charge the exception must be engineered by an infallible apostle such a one is unknown to me out of print this opinion based rather on collective experience than on any one episode can be substantiated by several incontrovertible facts in this instance one will suffice therefore i take the brixton case to illustrate chance as a factor in human affairs had it not been for that maori fetish but such rather ends than begins the story therefore it were wise to dismiss it for the moment yet that piece of greenstone hanged a person mentioned hereafter when mr and mrs paul vincent set up housekeeping at ulster lodge they were regarded as decided acquisitions to brixton society she pretty and musical he smart in looks moderately well off and an excellent tennis player their progenitors his father and her mother both since deceased had lived a life of undoubted middle-class respectability the halo thereof still environed their children who were in consequence of such inherited grace and their own individualisms much sought out by genteel brixtonians moreover this popular couple were devoted to each other and even after three years of marriage they posed still as lovers this was as it should be and by admiring friends and relations the vincents were regarded as paragons of matrimonial perfection vincent was a stockbroker therefore he passed most of his time in the city judge then of the commotion when pretty mrs vincent was discovered in the study stabbed to the heart so aimless a crime were scarce imaginable she had many friends no known enemies yet she came to this tragic end closer examination revealed that the Esquitar had been broken into and mr vincent declared himself the poorer by two hundred pounds primarily therefore robbery was the sole object but by reason of mrs vincent's interference the thief had been converted into a murderer so excellently had the assassin chosen his time that such choice argued a close acquaintance with the domestic economy of ulster lodge the husband was detained in town till midnight the servants cook and housemaid on leave to attend wedding festivities were absent till eleven o'clock mrs vincent therefore was absolutely alone in the house for six hours during which period the crime had been committed the servants discovered the body of their unfortunate mistress and raised the alarm at once later on vincent arrived to find his wife dead his house in possession of the police and the two servants in hysterics for that night nothing could be done but at dawn a move was made towards elucidating the mystery at this point i came into the story instructed at nine o'clock to take charge of the case by ten i was on the spot noting details and collecting evidence beyond removal of the body nothing had been disturbed and the study was in precisely the same condition as when the crime was discovered i examined carefully the apartment and afterwards interrogated the cook the housemaid and lastly the master of the house the result gave me slight hope of securing the assassin the room a fair-sized one looking out on to a lawn between house and road was furnished in cheap bachelor fashion an old-fashioned desk placed at right angles to the window, a round table reaching nigh the sill, two armchairs, three of the ordinary cane-seated kind, and on the mantelpiece an arrangement of pipes, pistols, boxing gloves, and foils. One of these latter was missing. A single glimpse showed how terrible a struggle had taken place before the murderer had overpowered his victim. The tablecloth lay disorderly on the floor two of the lighter chairs were overturned and the desk with several drawers open was hacked about considerably no key was in the door lock which faced the equitor and the window snick was fashioned securely further search resulted in the following discoveries one a hatchet used for chopping wood found near the desk two a foil with the button broken off lying under the table three a greenstone idol edged under the fender the cook defiantly courageous by reason of brandy declared that she had left the house at four o'clock on the previous day and had returned close on eleven the back door to her surprise was open with the housemaid she went to inform her mistress of this fact and found the body lying midway between door and fireplace at once she called in the police her master and mistress were a most attached couple and so far as she knew they had no enemies similar evidence was obtained from the housemaid with the additional information that the hatchet belonged to the woodshed the other rooms were undisturbed poor young vincent was so broken down by the tragedy that he could hardly answer my questions with calmness sympathising with his natural grief i interrogated him as delicately as was possible and i am bound to admit that he replied with remarkable promptitude and clearness what do you know of this unhappy affair i asked when we were alone in the drawing-room he refused to stay in the study as was surely natural under the circumstances absolutely nothing he replied i went to the city yesterday at ten in the morning and as i had business to do i wired my wife i would not return till midnight she was full of health and spirits when i last saw her but now incapable of further speech he made a gesture of despair then after a pause he added have you any theory on the subject judging from the wrecked condition of the desk i should say robbery robbery he interrupted changing colour yes that was the motive i had two hundred pounds locked up in the desk in gold or notes the latter four fifties bank of england You are sure they are missing yes the drawer in which they were placed is smashed to pieces did anyone know you had placed two hundred pounds therein no save my wife and yet ah he said breaking off abruptly that is impossible what is impossible i will tell you when i hear your theory you got that notion out of the novels of the shilling sort i answered dryly every detective doesn't theorize on the instant i haven't any particular theory that i know of whoever committed this crime must have known your wife was alone in the house and that there was two hundred pounds locked up in the desk did you mention these two facts to anyone? vincent pulled his moustache in some embarrassment i guessed by the action that he had been indiscreet i don't wish to get an innocent person into trouble he said at length but i did mention it to a man called roy for what reason it is a bit of a story i lost two hundred to a friend at cards and drew four fifties to pay him he went out of town so i locked up the money in my desk for safety last night roy came to me at the club much agitated and asked me to loan him a hundred said it meant ruin else i offered him a cheque but he wanted cash i then told him i had left two hundred at home so at the moment i could not lay my hand on it he asked if he could not go to brixton for it but i said the house was empty and but it wasn't empty i interrupted i believed it would be i knew the servants were going to the wedding and i thought my wife instead of spending a lonely evening would call on some friend well and after you told roy that the house was empty he went away looking awfully cut up and swore he must have the money at any price but it was quite impossible he could have anything to do with this i don't know you told him where the money was and that the house was unprotected as you thought what was more probable than that he should have come down with the intention of stealing the money if so what follows entering by the back door he takes the hatchet from the woodshed to open the desk your wife hearing a noise discovers him in the study in a state of frenzy he snatches a foil from the mantelpiece and kills her then decamps with the money there is your theory and a mighty bad one for roy you don't intend to arrest him asked vincent quickly not on insufficient evidence if he committed the crime and stole the money it is certain that sooner or later he will change the notes now if i had the numbers here are the numbers said vincent producing his pocket-book I always take the numbers of such large notes but surely he added as i copied them down surely you don't think roy guilty i don't know i should like to know his movements on that night i cannot tell you he saw me at the chestnut club about seven o'clock and left immediately afterwards i kept my business appointment went to the alhambra and then returned home give me roy's address and describe his personal appearance he is a medical student and lodges at number blank gower street tall fair-haired a good-looking young fellow and his dress last night he wore evening dress concealed by a fawn-coloured overcoat i duly noted these particulars and i was about to take my leave when i recollected the green stone idol it was so strange an object to find in prosaic brixton that i could not help thinking it must have come there by accident by the way mr vincent said i producing the monstrosity is this greenstone god your property i never saw it before replied he taking it in his hands is it ah he added dropping the idol there is blood on it tis the blood of your wife sir if it does not belong to you it does to the murderer from the position in which this was found i fancy it slipped out of his breast pocket as he stood over his victim as you see it is stained with blood he must have lost his presence of mind, else he would not have left behind so damning a piece of evidence this idol, sir will hang the assassin of mrs vincent i hope so but unless you are sure of roy do not mar his life by accusing him of this crime i certainly should not arrest him without sufficient proof i answered promptly and so took my departure vincent showed up very well in this preliminary conversation much as he desired to punish the criminal yet he was unwilling to subject roy to possibly unfounded suspicions had i not forced the club episode out of him i doubt whether he would have told it as it was the information gave me the necessary clue roy alone knew that the notes were in the And imagined, owing to the mistake of Vincent, that the house was empty. Determined to have the money at any price, his own words, he intended but robbery till the unexpected appearance of Mrs. Vincent merged the lesser in the greater crime. My first step was to advise the bank that four fifty-pound notes numbered so-and-so were stolen, and that the thief or his deputy would probably change them within a reasonable period i did not say a word about the crime and kept all special details out of the newspapers for as the murderer would probably read up the reports so as to shape his course by the action of the police i judged it wiser that he should know as little as possible those minute-press notices do more harm than good they gratify the morbid appetite of the public and put the criminal on his guard thereby the police work in the dark but he, thanks to the posting-up of special reporters, knows the doings of the law, and baffles it accordingly. The Greenstone Idol worried me considerably. I wanted to know how it had got into the study of Ulster Lodge. When I knew that, I could nail my man. But there was considerable difficulty to overcome before such knowledge was available now a curiosity of this kind is not a common object in this country a man who owns one must have come from new zealand or have obtained it from a new zealand friend he could not have picked it up in london if he did he would not carry it constantly about with him it was therefore my idea that the murderer had received the idol from a friend on the day of the crime that friend to possess such an idol must have been in communication with new zealand the chain of thought is somewhat complicated but it began with curiosity about the idol and ended in my looking up the list of steamers going to the antipodes then i carried out a little design which need not be mentioned at this moment in due time it will fit in with the hanging of mrs vincent's assassin meanwhile i followed up the clue of the banknotes and left the greenstone idol to evolve its own destiny Thus I had two strings in my bow the crime was committed on the twentieth of june and on the twenty third two fifty-pound notes with numbers corresponding to those stolen were paid into the bank of england i was astonished at the little care exercised by the criminal in concealing his crime but still more so when i learned that the money had been banked by a very respectable solicitor furnished with the address i called on this gentleman Mr. Maudsley received me politely, and he had no hesitation in telling me how the notes had come into his possession. I did not state my primary reason for the inquiry. "'I hope there is no trouble about these notes,' said he, when I explained my errand. "'I have had sufficient already.' "'Indeed, Mr. Maudsley, and in what way?' For answer he touched the bell, and when it was answered, "'Ask Mr. Ford to step this way,' he said then turning to me i must reveal what i had hoped to keep secret but i trust the revelation will remain with yourself that is as i may decide after hearing it i am a detective mr maudsley and you may be sure i do not make these inquiries out of idle curiosity before he could reply a slender weak-looking young man nervously excited entered the room this was mr ford and he looked from me to maudsley with some apprehension this gentleman said his employer not unkindly comes from scotland yard about the money you paid me two days ago it is all right i hope stammered ford turning red and pale and red again where did you get the money i asked parrying this question from my sister i started when i heard this answer and with good reason my inquiries about roy had revealed that he was in love with a hospital nurse whose name was clara ford without doubt she had obtained the notes from roy after he had stolen them from ulster lodge but why the necessity of the robbery why did you get a hundred pounds from your sister i asked ford he did not answer but looked appealingly at maudsley that gentleman interposed we must make a clean breast of it ford he said with a sigh if you have committed a second crime to conceal the first i cannot help you this time matters are not at my discretion i have committed no crime said ford desperately turning to me sir i may as well admit that i embezzled one hundred pounds from mr maudsley to pay a gambling debt he kindly and most generously consented to overlook the delinquency if i replaced the money not having it myself i asked my sister she a poor hospital nurse had not the amount yet as non-payment meant ruin to me she asked a mr julian roy to help her he at once agreed to do so and gave her two fifty-pound notes she handed them to me and i gave them to mr Maudsley, who paid them into the bank this then was the reason of roy's remark he did not refer to his own ruin but to that of ford to save this unhappy man and for love of the sister he had committed the crime i did not need to see clara ford but at once made up my mind to arrest Roy. the case was perfectly clear and i was fully justified in taking this course meanwhile i made Maudsley and his clerk promise silence as i did not wish roy to be put on his guard by miss ford through her brother gentlemen i said after a few moments pause i cannot at present explain my reasons for asking these questions as it would take too long and i have no time to lose keep silent about this interview until to and by that time you shall know all has ford got into fresh trouble asked maudsley anxiously no but someone else has my sister began ford faintly when i interrupted him at once your sister is all right mr ford pray trust in my discretion no harm shall come to her or to you if i can help it but above all be silent this they readily promised and i returned to scotland yard quite satisfied that roy would get no warning the evidence was so clear that i could not doubt the guilt of roy else how had he come in possession of the notes already there was sufficient proof to hang him yet i'd hoped to clinch the certainty by proving his ownership of the greenstone idol it did not belong to vincent or to his dead wife yet some one must have brought it into the study why not roy who to all appearances had committed the crime the more so as the image was splashed with the victim's blood there was no difficulty in obtaining a warrant and with this i went off to gower street roy loudly protested his innocence he denied all knowledge of the crime and of the idol i expected the denial but i was astonished at the defence he put forth it was very ingenious but so manifestly absurd that it did not shake my belief in his guilt i let him talk himself out which perhaps was wrong but he would not be silent and then i took him off in a cab i swear i did not commit the crime he said passionately no one was more astonished than i at the news of mrs vincent's death yet you were at ulster lodge on the night in question i admit it he replied frankly were i guilty i would not do so but i was there at the request of vincent i must remind you that all you say now will be used in evidence against you i don't care i must defend myself i asked vincent for a hundred pounds and of course you did to give to miss ford how do you know that he asked sharply from her brother through maudsley he paid the notes supplied by you into the bank if you wanted to conceal your crime you should not have been so reckless i have committed no crime retorted roy fiercely i obtained the money from vincent at the request of miss ford to save her brother from being convicted for embezzlement vincent denies that he gave you the money then he lies i asked him at the chestnut club for one hundred pounds he had not that much on him but said that two hundred were in his desk at home as it was imperative that i should have the money on the night i asked him to let me go down for it and he refused he did not he consented and gave me a note to mrs vincent instructing her to hand me over a hundred pounds i went to brixton got the money in two fifties and gave them to miss ford when i left ulster lodge between eight and nine mrs vincent was in perfect health and quite happy an ingenious defence said i doubtfully but vincent absolutely denies that he gave you the money roy stared hard at me to see if i was joking evidently the attitude of vincent puzzled him greatly that is ridiculous said he quietly he wrote a note to his wife instructing her to hand me the money where is that note i gave it to mrs vincent it cannot be found i answered if such a note were in her possession it would now be in mine don't you believe me how can i against the evidence of those notes and the denial of vincent but he surely does not deny that he gave me the money he does he must be mad said roy in dismay one of my best friends and to tell so great a falsehood why if you had better be silent i said weary of this foolish talk if what you say is true vincent will exonerate you from complicity in the crime if things occurred as you say there is no sense in his denial this latter remark was made to stop the torrent of his speech it was not my business to listen to incriminating declarations or to ingenious defences all that sort of thing is for judge and jury therefore i ended the conversation as above and marched off my prisoner whether the birds of the air carry news i do not know but they must have been busy on this occasion for next morning every newspaper in london was congratulating me on my clever capture of the supposed murderer some detectives would have been gratified by this public laudation i was not roy's passionate protestations of innocence made me feel uneasy and i doubted whether after all i had the right man under lock and key yet the evidence was strong against him he admitted having been with mrs vincent on the fatal night he admitted possession of two fifty-pound notes his only defence was the letter of the stockbroker and this was missing if indeed it had ever been written vincent was terribly upset by the arrest of roy he liked the young man and he had believed in his innocence so far as was possible but in the face of such strong evidence he was forced to believe him guilty yet he blamed himself severely that he had not lent the money and so averted the catastrophe i had no idea that the matter was of such moment he said to me else i would have gone down to brixton myself and have given him the money then his frenzy would have spared my wife and himself a death on the scaffold what do you think of his defence it is wholly untrue i did not write a note nor did i tell him to go to brixton why should i when i fully believed no one was in the house it was a pity you did not go home mr vincent instead of to the alhambra it was a mistake he assented but i had no idea roy would attempt the robbery besides i was under engagement to go to the theatre with my friend dr Monson. Do you think that idol belongs to roy i can't say i never saw it in his possession why because i firmly believe that if roy had not the idol in his pocket on that fatal night he is innocent oh you look astonished but the man who murdered your wife owns that idol the morning after this conversation a lady called at scotland yard and asked to see me concerning the brixton case fortunately i was then in the neighbourhood and guessing who she was i afforded her the interview she sought when all left the room she raised her veil and i saw before me a noble-looking woman somewhat resembling mr maudsley's clerk yet by some contradiction of nature her face was the more virile of the two you are miss ford i said guessing her identity i am clara ford she answered quietly i have come to see you about mr roy i am afraid nothing can be done to save him something must be done she said passionately we are engaged to be married and all a woman can do to save her lover i will do do you believe him to be guilty in the face of such evidence miss ford i don't care what evidence is against him she retorted he is as innocent of the crime as i am do you think that a man fresh from the committal of a crime would place the money won by that crime in the hands of the woman he professes to love i tell you he is innocent mr vincent doesn't think so mr vincent said miss ford with a scornful emphasis oh yes i quite believe he would think julian guilty surely not if it were possible to think otherwise he is or rather was a staunch friend to mr roy so staunch that he tried to break off the match between us listen to me sir i have told no one before but i tell you now mr vincent is a villain he pretended to be the friend of julian and yet he dared to make proposals to me dishonourable proposals for which i could have struck him he a married man a pretended friend wished me to leave julian and fly with him surely you are mistaken miss ford mr vincent was most devoted to his wife he did not care at all for his wife she replied steadily he was in love with me to save julian annoyance i did not tell him of the insults offered to me by mr vincent now that julian is in trouble by an unfortunate mistake mr vincent is delighted it is impossible i assure you vincent is very sorry to you do not believe me she said interrupting very well i shall give you proof of the truth come to my brother's rooms at bloomsbury i shall send for mr vincent and if you are concealed you shall hear from his own lips how glad he is that my lover and his wife are removed from the path of his dishonourable passion i will come miss ford but i think you are mistaken in vincent you shall see she replied coldly then with a sudden change of tone is there no way of saving julian i am sure that he is innocent appearances are against him but it was not he who committed the crime is there no way no way moved by her earnest appeal i produced the greenstone idol and told her all i had done in connection with it she listened eagerly and readily grasped at the hope thus held out to her of saving Roy when in possession of all the facts she considered in silence for some two minutes at the end of that time she drew down her veil and prepared to take her departure come to my brother's rooms in alfred place near tottenham court road said she holding out her hand i promise you that there you shall see mr vincent in his true character good-bye till monday at three o'clock from the colour of her face and the bright light in her eye i guessed that she had some scheme in her head for the saving of roy i think myself clever but after that interview at alfred's place i declare i am but a fool compared to this woman she put two and two together ferreted out unguessed of evidence and finally produced the most wonderful result when she left me at this moment the greenstone idol was in her pocket with that she hoped to prove the innocence of her lover and the guilt of another person it was the cleverest thing i ever saw in my life the inquest on the body of mrs vincent resulted in a verdict of wilful murder against some person or persons unknown then she was buried and all london waited for the trial of roy he was brought up charged with the crime reserved his defence and in due course he was committed for trial meantime i called on miss ford at the appointed time and found her alone mr vincent will be here shortly she said calmly i see julian is committed for trial and he has reserved his defence i shall defend him said she with a strange look in her face i am not afraid for him now he saved my unhappy brother i shall save him have you discovered anything i have discovered a good deal hush that is mr vincent she added as a cab drew up to the door hide yourself behind this curtain and do not appear until i give you the signal wondering what she was about to do i concealed myself as directed the next moment vincent was in the room and then ensued one of the strangest of scenes she received him coldly and motioned him to a seat vincent was nervous but she might have been a stone so little emotion did she display i have sent for you mr vincent she said to ask for your help in releasing julian how can i help you he answered in amazement willingly would i do so but it is out of my power i don't think it is i assure you clara he began eagerly when she cut him short yes call me clara say that you love me lie like all men and yet refuse to do what i wish i am not going to help julian to marry you declared he sullenly you know that i love you i love you dearly i wish to marry you is not that declaration rather soon after the death of your wife my wife is gone poor soul let her rest yet you loved her i never loved her he said rising to his feet i love you from the first moment i saw you i loved you my wife is dead julian roy is in prison on a charge of murdering her with these obstacles removed there is no reason why we should not marry if i marry you she said slowly will you help julian to refute this charge i cannot the evidence is too strong against him you know that he is innocent mr vincent i do not i believe that he murdered my wife you believe that he murdered your wife she reiterated coming a step closer and holding out the greenstone idol do you believe that he dropped this in the study when his hand struck the fatal blow i don't know he said coolly glancing at the idol i never saw it before think again mr vincent think again who was it that went to the alhambra at eight o'clock with dr monson and met there the captain of a new zealand steamer with whom he was acquainted it was i said vincent defiantly and what of that this she said in a loud voice this captain gave you the greenstone idol at the alhambra and you placed it in your breast-pocket shortly afterwards you followed to brixton the man whose death you had plotted you repaired to your house killed your unhappy wife who received you in all innocence took the balance of the money hacked the desk and then dropped by accident this idol which convicts you of the crime during this speech she advanced step by step towards the wretched man who pale and anguished retreated before her fury he came right to my hiding-place and almost fell into my arms i had heard enough to convince me of his guilt and the next moment i was struggling with him it is a lie a lie he said hoarsely trying to escape it is true said i pinning him down from my soul i believe you to be guilty during the fight his pocket-book fell on the floor and the papers therein were scattered miss ford picked up one spotted with blood the proof she said holding it before us the proof that julian spoke the truth there is the letter written by you which authorised your unhappy wife to give him one hundred pounds." Vincent saw that all was against him, and gave in without further struggle, like the craven he was. "'Fate is too strong for me,' he said, when I snapped the handcuffs on his wrists. I admit the crime. It was for love of you that I did it. I hated my wife, who was a drag on me, and I hated Roy, who loved you in one sweep i thought to rid myself of both his application for the money put the chance into my hand i went to brixton found that my wife had given the money as directed and then i killed her with the foil snatched from the wall smashed the desk and overturned the chair to favour an idea of the robbery and then i left the house driving to a higher station than brixton i caught a train and was speedily back at the alhambra monson never suspected my absence thinking i was in a different corner of the house i had thus an alibi ready had it not been for that letter which i was fool enough to keep and that infernal idol that dropped out of my pocket i should have hanged roy and married you as it turns out the idol has betrayed me and now sir he added turning to me you had better take me to jail i did so there and then after the legal formalities were gone through julian roy was released and ultimately married miss ford vincent was hanged as he well deserved to be for so cowardly a crime my reward was the greenstone god which i keep as a memento of a very curious case some weeks later miss ford told me the way in which she had laid the trap when you revealed your suspicions about the idol she said i was convinced that vincent had something to do with the crime you mentioned dr monson as having been with him at the alhambra he is one of the doctors at the hospital in which i am employed i asked him about the idol and showed it to him he remembered it being given to vincent by the captain of the kaitangada the curious look of the thing had impressed itself on his memory on hearing this i went to the docks and i saw the captain he recognised the idol and remembered giving it to vincent from what you told me i guessed the way in which the plot had been carried out so i spoke to vincent as you heard most of it was guesswork and only when i saw that letter was i absolutely sure of his guilt it was due to the greenstone god so i think but to chance also but for the accident of the idol dropping out of Vincent's pocket, Roy would have been hanged for a crime of which he was innocent. Therefore do I say that in nine cases out of ten, chance does more to clinch a case than all the dexterity of the man in charge. End of Story 5